Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and in the studio with me today is... Drumroll, she's back. Lindsay Hooper, fresh from holiday, broadcaster, reporter and now amateur archer. How the devil are you? (laughs) I was hoping that you would say slightly browner. You are looking tanned, but as a nice pale English rose myself, I never like to point out these things. Alongside Lindsay Hooper, today making her debut on the show, it's none other than author of Roar of the Lionesses, broadcaster, academic and dog whisperer in training, Dr. Carrie Dunn. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Tell us about this dog, Carrie. Oh, I have wanted a dog for my entire life and I've never, ever had a dog before. And so my partner and I have now moved, got a new flat. We have a big garden. I have paid for the most ridiculously secure fences in the history of fencing. (laughs) And our rescue dog is coming home after the first group game of the Women's World Cup. That is the bit that makes me just (laughs) love you both so much is the rescue dog part because there are so many dogs that need rescuing and I've watched so many of these programs in fact in a former life I used to be a continuity announcer on channel 5 into dog rescuers so, wow, so the you're amount of all times over this. To, yes, it's just so, so good. So you've rescued this doggy, but you're having to kind of accommodate it around your World Cup schedule. But you've also been teaching her a few tricks as yes. well. Yes, so we go and visit her at the centre every day and we kind of get a little spell That's out so in cute. the in the paddock. So she has a little run round and we can get a chance to kind of cuddle her and talk to her and things. But she likes having a ball thrown for her, obviously, because she's a dog. But we also found out she likes having a ball kicked for her. So I've been kicking the ball and she's been chasing it. And then in the past few days, she started to copy what I do. And so she can now do step overs. Wow. What is <laughs> she What's her name? Spring. So Spring does step overs. Yes. That she... is an Instagram channel in the making. She lifts her little paws up and then she waves them over the ball, ready to kick it, it back, some nudge of it back to me. the best football training that I had when I was younger was with <laughs> my dog? dog in the garden. Yeah, because <laughs> trying to get the ball off a dog... Oh, my life. And trying to keep it away from the dog getting the ball. It is skill making. So you're going to become a better footballer because of spring. And one day she may play for Wolfsburg, right? (laughs) Carrie, not only are you a dog whisperer in the the making, we ask all our guests to come on this show, not just with intense and joyful knowledge of football, but also one extra added value skill. I've seen a picture of you on Twitter dressed in kind of medieval dress, looking like you're singing or performing. What is the value-added skill that you bring? So that would be when I played Cinderella in Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods last year. Wow, there was no end to your talents. <laughs> yeah, singing, I guess. I uh, I do quite a lot of singing. Oh, now maybe this could feature in the offside rule. Well, we were just saying that upcoming... we need a jingle this week for any other business. So there we are. We're sorted. Here is our jingle maker. And perhaps we could think about an operetta for the Women's World Cup, perhaps an opera based... Uh- around what will yes, hopefully be a very successful tournament for before us. Before I went away on the on the podcast before last, we were talking about how Scotland had got this, you know, they'd had these fans that had created their own song. song. We need one for the Lionesses. Okay, I'll get it on that. Uh, Hoops, how was the holiday? It was lovely. I moved away from football, end of season, get away. So I decided to go and cheat on football and play a lot of golf instead. <gasps> 
But you're not middle-aged yet, so I don't get it. No, and I've never, ever played golf before. Mm. There was limited things to do, to be honest, Kate. That's why. (laughs) So, So, golf, archery, table tennis. desperate times sent you to golf (laughs) and archery. And my first golf lesson. Turns out I'm not so bad. Wow, surprise, And then went on to the driving range and did a couple of goes on that, which I really enjoyed. So, I'll be now having another new expensive sport to try and fund. Well, I've had a really good week too. Myself and Hayley McQueen and producer Abby went to St George's part yesterday to interview Phil Neville. That will be an Offside Rule podcast exclusive coming up next Friday, just, of course, before the Women's World Cup kicks off. Something else to add in, go all the way to Cyprus. The guy that ran the sports that decided to sign me up for archery uh, and told me about the golf. I love it. It's not that kind of thing, is it? People don't go around touting, you know, scouts. Scouts don't operate in these clubs touting for talent and then saying, I'm going to sign you up and make you a golfing star. He saw something because then he started to give us this game where you had to get the colours of the flag and and I got nearly all of them. So I'm just saying. But anyway, his name was Craig. And the first thing he says is, do you know Claire Rafferty? When I when he, when he asked me what I did in football. So, one, I was really impressed because I thought he's gone for a lioness. He hasn't yes. said, oh, do you know, you work in football. Do you know, you know, Gareth Southgate or David Beckham? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, but apparently he used to date her sister. And, and that's oh, lovely. why. But very small, nice. Small world. small world. Well, you'll get to hear Phil and all of the very interesting chat that we had with him, not just about the Women's World Cup, but we also delved into the anniversary of the treble and uh, lots of Manchester United stuff as well. So look forward to that. That'll be out very soon. Alrighty, don't forget you can get in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. We're also there as well. And our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Loads of great Women's World Cup content popping up. And also don't forget get to subscribe to us on your favourite podcasting app. Coming up, we've got uh, a fantastic FIFA Hold My Beer moment. Emma Hayes's slightly strange comments on small goals for small girls. Why? Why strange? Well, Let's discuss this There later. we go. But first, we are going to Baku and beyond. All right, Europa League final, Arsenal versus Chelsea in Baku. Where is Baku? It's in Azerbaijan. How do you get there? I don't think any of us still know. Why is it even in Baku? Well, it is in Europe. It is on the uh, border of nations that definitely aren't in Europe. But it is a long way away. It's something like the lowest lying country in the world or something. Lowest land lying country. How long have you spent looking into facts about Azerbaijan? Shush. It does have an Olympic stadium. And that's, of course, where the Europa League final is taking place. But it also has museums, ladies. It has, wait for it, a museum of carpets and a museum of miniature books. Carpets, I'd prefer. <laughs> I think Carrie's going to go for I'm into the books. The miniature books. Like yes. The, Bron- the Brontes used to write mini- miniature books, you know. They used to produce little tiny manuscripts. Did That's they? How they? Did their fairy stories when they were kids. The only time I've really encountered miniature books is the miniature hardback small buggy books you get for kids that you can put in your handbag and give to your child when they start kicking off, you know, normally with A, B, C, oh, and Are we something. talking doll's house size books? I, don't, I, I, I haven't looked at it we in need that to much go detail. There. And then we will see. <laughs> well, remember the furore around the number of tickets allocated. 6,000 for each club in a 68,000 capacity stadium. So go figure that one out. Both London clubs have decided it's essentially impossible for them to get there. So we're going to see a very sparse crowd at the Olympic Stadium, which defeats the whole object of the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, the object of the thing, I suppose, is because they want to share out these big showpiece finals so if the idea is to try and attract people from Azerbaijan or you know the surrounding countries which I'm not sure what they are because I'm terrible at geography 
then yes, I guess that would kind of create lots of space for them. Maybe they'll give out free tickets to Baku locals to fill the stands. That well, would that, be nice. Well, that would be nice. And the Times also reporting today that several sponsors are set to follow the lead of both clubs, Arsenal and Chelsea, in returning a large proportion of the 2,000 tickets that they've been given by UEFA. So that's even more empty seats. And the latest development is that Arsenal are set to meet UEFA after midfielder Henrik Mkhitaryan opted against playing in the final in Baku. That's over security fears. He's Armenian. He is national team captain. He's been footballer of the year in Armenia like eight times or something. He's a huge figure over there. He has concerns about his safety. There's a disputed territory between Armenia and Azerbaijan. That's causing a huge amount of controversy and also conflict between both countries. And he doesn't feel safe as an Armenian going to Azerbaijan. So he's out. Yeah, which, you know, again, means that when UEFA and FIFA talk about discussions beyond football or about football not being political or breaking down barriers, that's when I, I have to question that because is that UEFA putting up a barrier there or holding it in a controversial country perhaps for some people creating a barrier or is that Mkhitaryan's issue is Mkhitaryan right to make an issue of this I think Mkhitaryan's right to do whatever he wants it's his decision to play if he genuinely doesn't feel safe playing in that country then of course he should not put his safety at risk when governing bodies say that sport isn't political it always makes me laugh because sport is the most political thing that there is out there I mean it's club against club, it's country against country. This idea that sport can build bridges, that's a political idea. And the idea that sport can break down barriers, as you said, that's a political idea. How is sport not political? And to say that, oh, we're not getting involved in politics, that's an absolute cop-out. There needs to be a stance taken on this. Of course, the other political issue is um, climate change. There have been lots of concerns about the amount of carbon emissions that will be flying all these people Mm. over from the UK across Europe to what is basically the other side of the world. For a UEFA League final, which could fundamentally take place in the UK. You know, yeah. Wembley's there. Let's but then, go there. But, you I, know, surely in terms of organising it, we didn't know that there was going to be two English teams in the in the final when they organised Baku and that there has to be an intense amount of preparation going over, I presume, more than a year or so, really, when stadiums are selected for, for these tournaments. So I, I do understand why it's not being held here. I just think that when you have instances like this, you need to take a view on whether that is a sensible idea or not. And we could say the same thing about Qatar as well coming up for the World Cup. Taking in the environmental issue that, that Carrie just mentioned and you telling us at the start of this that, you know, Azerbaijan low land, if we get more rainfall, they're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have safeguarded against that. So maybe we don't choose Baku next time, except, oh, whoops, too late, because it's uh, one of the host stadiums for Euro 2020. Anyway, as Arsenal and Chelsea fans look to fly and row and perhaps walk and trek over to Azerbaijan, I want to know what some of the lengths are that you two have gone to to get to a football match. Lindsay Hooper. Well, you know one of these because I was with you. Our trip to Brazil, by the way, Carrie, just so that you know, when Kate and I go and cover England, usually together... It usually ends quite quickly, our trips, doesn't it? Yes, so, it does. Yeah. Because they invariably bomb out after the group stage. <laughs> this has happened a couple of times, two different tournaments. Not with the women, though. No. Not with the women. However, on this occasion, it did happen. We were in Brazil for the World Cup. And I had been offered tickets through a friend of mine, Pete, to go to the Maracanã, which was the game that we thought England would be in if they got out of the group stages. Of course, they didn't. They came home early. We knew that after two games. We don't need to keep going over it. And as a fail 
failsafe, Kate had booked this amazing, I called it like P. Diddy's apartment. Do you remember when it was was a a gorgeous house house in a place called Buzios, known as the Saint-Tropez of Brazil. I was pregnant with my second child at the time, so there was no Buzios boozing for me, but there definitely was for Lindsay Hooper (laughs) and a couple of friends of mine who were also there who had a jolly old time out every night. So uh, what Kate might remember is mm-hmm. that that journey out of Rio to Buzios, how long did it take? About a couple of hours? It was about two and a half hours and it involved driving. And actually some of the places we're that we drove seedy. through were pretty, well, I wouldn't say seedy, I'd say just dangerous. Yes. It was alarming. Um, but this is how much I wanted to go to the Maracan R. So we're in Bezios. We've been at the Saint-Tropez of Brazil, enjoying ourselves and also to prize myself away from what was a pretty good time yeah. and say, I'm going to pat myself off on my own. Like Kate said, she was pregnant, so she couldn't come. So I said, right, I'll, get, I'll go on my own. I'll get a coach for these two and a half hours to the Maracan R. Well, it didn't even take me to the Maracan R. I had to obviously get to, to Rio and then get from there to the stadium. But it was a stadium that I've always wanted to go to experience, see. And when Pete said, I've got this ticket, you can come. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to go. So I did a round trip in the one day, didn't I? Um, you did an, a really crazy trip. And I actually remember now dropping you off at the bus station. Yeah. Waving me insane. off thinking it might be the last yeah, time after yeah, that drive yeah. on the way there. Literally saying to you, off you go, jump on the bus. Uh, <laughs> also, you know when your mum's words go through your ears. I mean, I, I was a gr- fully fledged adult by this point, but, you know, you still have parental advice. And my mum's saying, you know, make sure whatever you do, just stay together. And there I am on the coach on my own. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> every oh rule in... Yeah. In, I I almost gave you one of my daughter's toy guns, just you know, just in case she needed to give the impression. I don't think that would have helped no, very much. No, fair enough. But, uh, Uruguay versus Colombo had such a great time. Okay. With- <laughs> Colombia, Colombo. I've, I've now got Colombo. I've now got an image of the detective. Just one man. In his old Mac. <laughs> shoveling oh along, shoveling along, Colombo. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. Oh, that's like a Freudian. This, this is what happens when I go on holiday. <laughs> this is what happens to me. I went to go see Uru- Uruguay versus Colombia. Yes. Um, and what a match, you know, that Pete had got these brilliant tickets and we saw the James Rodriguez yes. goal, which is probably one of the best live goals I've ever seen in my life. It was Suarez. such a great atmosphere. The Colombian fans as well were so brilliant. Were I enjoyed it so much. So it was worth the hassle, the potential life on the line <laughs> and, you know, nine hours of, of travel. But yeah, it was really, it was probably the lengths that I've gone to. Carrie, I think you're going to beat both of us in terms of <laughs> lengths that you go to or have gone to. Probably should preface this by saying that I don't drive and I'm also very, very frightened of flying. Okay. So I guess the first one would be missing my undergraduate graduation to go to Luton's pre-season tour of the Isle of Man. Um, wow, I, I grew that pre-season up, tour. Yeah, I grew, that is, that I grew up as a Luton fan and my sister and I thought, oh, let's get a hovercraft across to the Isle wow. of Man. And, and Had you always wanted to go to the Isle of Man? Is no, this part of it? No, I don't know what I was thinking. But it was good. We had a really good time. So that was that. The past two Women's World Cups have been bizarre in terms of travel so the first one 2011 that I went to 
again, as I mentioned, scared of flying. It's going to Germany. I was like, fine, I'll, I'll get a train. Yeah. So I got the Eurostar. That was fine. You know, Eurostar out into Germany. That was all fine. And um, I got an overnight train on the way home. I'd booked a sleeping compartment. The sleeping compartment was overtaken by a bunch of really terrifying, rowdy, drunken teenagers. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, I, I can't. I'm too old for this. So I kind of wandered around the train trying to find a spare seat. No spare seats. So I spent a Saturday night travelling across Germany, sitting in the luggage rack. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Just because I'm that scared of flying. And I was really thinking, would having been in the plane for two hours really have no, been that bad yeah, compared no. to this? And the answer, you're correct, is no. So 2015 I, I could do what around. I did for a lady. A lady once who was really, really scared of flying, stranger, said to me, do you mind if I hold your hand? whilst we land and take off. Oh, my word, the grip of this woman. She should have been in the Strongest Woman in the UK Awards. Oh, my gosh, it was unbelievable. But I would do it for you, Carrie, and oh, somebody else you. would. they yeah. get you through it. So Canada, because so Canada, you really cannot you can't get a train. train. No, um, I did look into kind of boats, because you can go to, like, Greenland and then get another... Yeah, that was not a good idea. You really idea did either. look at it, didn't you? I really did, yeah. it's Yeah, but, you know, the... England's first games were in Moncton on the East Coast. Which, mm, as Lindsay which, and I yeah. know well, is like the Ipswich of Canada. <laughs> I quite enjoyed oh, it. Oh, Carrie. We'll, I think we'll you should mix this up. You time. always say this phrase, the Ipswich Sorry. of Canada. And then we have Ipswich, Ipswich people. Ipswich. I like feel, Ipswich. Yes. Yeah. Lindsay, it took us three days to find some fresh fruit. <laughs> I know. I know, but that's not something that's akin to Ipswich, no, no, is no, it? No, this no, is what no, I'm no, trying no. to say. Sorry, but it we was... should mix it up a bit. Like the Grimsby, the Berry, wherever. Did you not go to the supermarket in Moncton? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> where was that then? <laughs> um, where were we you staying? Two weeks there. We were staying with. We were staying at a hotel with quite a few other journalists. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of where I was. So you come down to the main road. You turn right rather than going left where the restaurants <laughs> we only ever are. Turn left. Okay. There's a restaurant like I two minutes up the road. I won't be going back, were down to the left. We only ever turn left. That I won't be it. going back, Carrie. It's fine. You okay, don't. You don't, you don't need to explain. It, but it, it 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 basically. I feel didn't... like I should defend Moncton. Well, I liked look, it. It didn't quite. I like Moncton a lot more than I like what was that other one. Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was a strange place. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yes, when you fly to Moncton, you can't fly directly to Greater Moncton International Airport. You have to go to Toronto and then fly into Moncton. Oh, that tiny plane. The, oh, no, I know what's the coming. Tiny, no, no, yeah. no, you don't. No, it was no. the big plane across the Atlantic. Oh, okay. And we were coming up. I was tracking, you know, they had the little trackers on the back of the seat so you can see where your, your flight is. And so I like to kind of check to see how much longer I have on the plane. <laughs> And the little turbulent seatbelt sign thing comes on as we approach the kind of the coast. And I was like, okay, fine. I know what turbulence is. It's just like waves on the sea. It's fine. And then it gets more bumpy. And then the captain asked the uh, flight attendants to take their seats and strap themselves in as well. You're sweating. Uh, and that's point. why we're recording this podcast in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm kind of looking around and thinking, okay, people are starting to look a little bit worried. And so I thought, okay. And I was on, on a front row of a section. So I said to the flight attendant, is it always like this coming into Toronto? And she said, no, this is the worst I've ever known it. And I was like, okay, okay. So I was kind of trying to breathe through it. We eventually, we land. And so I'm at Toronto airport queuing for the connecting flight. And I bring my best friend back in England. He's an aerospace engineer. And I had this little thing where I asked him to track my flights on those flight tracker things yeah. just because I think that makes them stay in the air or something. 
And I said to him, that was a really horrible flight. And he said, yes, there was the biggest storm I've ever seen appeared on radar. I saw it yesterday. I just thought it was best not to tell you. Oh, how fun. Oh, my goodness. But what a great friend to have. Are you you okay now with it? I don't like it, but I can make myself do it. it. Because I think no flight, unless I actually die, is going to be as bad as that one to Toronto. No. I have to just mention something that's happened on Twitter this week as well. When you talk about the lengths that you would go to to get tickets for a match. Um, Samantha Quek, who won gold um, hockey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was on holiday in a very quiet part of the adult pool, might I add, reading a book and just wanted five minutes of, you know, just having a bit of a look on Instagram and Twitter. And suddenly, as you know me very well, Kate, I was crying with laughter. The people turning round from their sunbeds wondering what on earth was going on. (laughs) This just tickled me. I might not even be able to get through reading her tweets out for the umpteenth time. So if I pass my phone to Carrie, that's why, because I actually start getting the um, the giggles. But she put this out. She's, she's a huge Liverpool fan like yep. yourself, wants to be at the final in Madrid. And she said, as you know, when you work in broadcast, you might get this as well, Carrie, you get some interesting followers and fans sometimes that ask you to do all sorts of strange things for them. She said... To the weird guy who messaged me on Instagram saying he would do anything to hear me fart through a walkie-talkie. The time has come to see if you're a man of your word. (laughs) Find me two well-priced Champions League tickets in the Liverpool section. Yes, it's come to this. So... I start scrolling down and this becomes a thread that has, I think it's had nearly 300,000 retweets or something. And the the replies were so brilliant because another guy, he said, who provides the walkie-talkies? And she said, (laughs) ah, I've suitably wet your whistle and a negotiation has begun. Option A, I provide the walkie-talkies, but the evening before I will (laughs) will prepare. (laughs) I can't do it. You're going to have to do this. Option A. Okay, option A, I provide the walkie-talkies, but the evening before, I will have only prepared by eating a light salad. <laughs> option B, you provide the walkie-talkies, and I'll have beans on toast oh. the night before your call. <laughs> Which made me laugh so much. And then just to give you another example from this thread, I do suggest you go and like chuckle at it. Somebody else, a guy called Nick Hall, said, how are you going to train yourself to fart with just a few weeks' practice? And she said, I'm an Olympian. I'll find some oh, way. She will find a way, indeed. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Um, as will those fans, Tobacco. Uh, talking of Champions League finals, let's not ignore the fact that the Women's Champions League has taken place. Another masterclass, I think it's fair to say, from Lyon. Uh, I did say, didn't I? I yeah, said yeah, all yeah. The way. 4 1 the result against Barcelona. Did you see Arda Hegerberg's hat trick? Wow. Yes. I mean, delicious. What, what can you say about either her or about Lyon now? I mean, it's just kind of the actual pinnacle of women's football in Europe and they are the standard to which everyone should be aspiring. Anything for Barcelona to take? There was a consolation goal from Atisette Oshawala, who was uh, ex-Liverpool and Arsenal, of course. She's a very fine player. Can they take anything from this or is it just a learning experience no, for them? I think they can take loads from it. I mean, Barcelona are very early on in their women's football project. To have reached the Champions League final this early on is is a huge thing and you know it's heartbreaking to see Tony Duggan so upset Mm. about losing that final but you know 
players should be upset about yeah, losing finals. Yeah. That's and what also, I want you know, to she, see. She's towards the twilight of her career now. She's going to go out to the World Cup. But what was a lovely gesture, because we had that that English interest with Lucy Bronze being for Leon and Tony Duggan playing for Barcelona. And at the end, you know, Lucy made that pledge, didn't she? She was like, well, let's go and win the World Cup together. And that, that was, was really, really nice. Really nice between Lionesses there. And that sums up a lot of the mood in the squad and the sense of togetherness. We'll talk more about the Women's World Cup a little bit later. Of course, not featuring the hat-trick scorer in that Women's Champions League final, Arda Hegerberg. Uh, We'll touch more on that later. This is the Offside Rule from Muddy Knees Media. So we've already established Europe's a big place. But what about the goal? Is that a big place? Well, according to Emma Hayes, Chelsea women manager, it is a big place. It's too big. Here's what she said, according to BT Sport documentary, The State of Play. So she says, there's often a criticism about goalkeeping in the women's game. I would argue that the goal's just a little bit too big. If it was built around our physical differences, then we would be talking about great goalkeepers as opposed to exposing them. So she's saying the women's goalkeepers are being exposed and the goals are too big for them. Where do we stand on this, Carrie? I don't agree. I have huge respect for Emma Hayes and I usually think pretty much everything she says is gospel, but I don't agree on this one. Obviously, goals are a standard size. They that yeah, is, but why are they a standard size? Okay. They're a standard size to meet for men. men. Yeah. yeah, I get that. But even when male goalkeepers were shorter, they were still that standard size. It's only been in the past kind of 10, 15 years that the male goalkeepers have been ridiculously Mm. tall. Again, but would they make them bigger? Would they make them bigger? If 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 over an evolution of time, men continue to grow, would they make them bigger? I think I would agree with former England goalkeeper Pauline Cope on this one. She said, what is actually going to make the biggest difference is investing in your goalkeeper's coaching for women's football. She told me that she never had any specialist coaching until the final year of her career. And I think she's absolutely spot yeah. on on that. It's only been recently that people have bothered mm. coaching yes. women goalkeepers yeah. and, specifically. And it still isn't happening enough when you talk to some people. Something like only 20 minutes with a specialist coach a week uh, has been happening within some women's teams. And I think there is a general need for that. Emma hayes Lindsay also says that there's too much focus on mirroring the men's game with the women's game. And that's having a negative impact on perception of the women's game. And she says, look, if the same male player and female player were to be standing in a position and they both jump of Mm. course the man's going to jump higher than the women so there is a relevance there the the main problem here is I have an element of sympathy with what Emma Hayes has said and I sort of lean to her a little bit okay now what I mean by that is that the problem actually comes down to the perception not the reality, right? So the goals, like Carrie said, have been the same for a very long time. I do have this problem that I think if men suddenly shut up another foot, then we probably would change them. So why wouldn't we change them for the other direction for women, you know? Because the thing is, with fans and people that criticise, they often really lay into the goalkeepers in women's football. They do. And I think if you can accept as a viewer... And as a football fan or someone who comes to the game this summer for the first time, that the goals are a standard size and that women aren't as tall as men and just accept that and not placate all the time, then I I would be more in agreement. But I think that the goalkeepers come under such scrutiny. And you did your research on Azerbaijan. I've done research on heights, right? So the average height... Oh, I'm interested. I was going to ask this. The average male height in the UK is five foot nine as an average. And the average female height is five foot three. So we're looking at half a foot. I'm I'm going... Yeah, six inches difference. And then the world's tallest man in the entire world is eight foot 11. (laughs) And the world's tallest woman is seven foot seven. 
seven. That's a whole foot difference, okay? <laughs> Over that. Where's so this going? I'm just giving the example of that we need to accept that physically men and women aren't the same. Did the you... goal the goal size can be the same, yeah. but the person standing between the sticks is not going to be the same. Did you get the data on what it was like 20 years ago? I didn't do as much oh research as you did on Azerbaijan. But what I'm <laughs> going to tell you is that just to take that to the next level... I'm not just going to say everything in favour of the women here. I also think that changes need to be made across the board to make it more representative in terms of cards. Like, we hardly ever see a red card in the women's game. Yeah, I've seen awful tackles. And so the, the coaches and the referees need to actually come on board and be as stern and consistent as they are in the men's game. I mean, sometimes we say, oh, there's too many yellow cards and too many reds in the men's game, but often I don't think we see enough in the women's. So I'd like to see that also levelling the playing field. Smaller pitches, no. You know, you're looking at things that are measurable. You cannot measure the coverage of a pitch in terms of what a human's capacity is. How do we know that's any different for a man or a woman? You know, you can run. It's pretty much the same, isn't it? It's the same distance. But in terms of reach factor well, for a on. goalkeeper. Men run a marathon in a quicker time than women. Yeah, so it might take a little bit more out of women to play 90 minutes on the same pitch. actually being but... able to cover the pitch yeah. over 90 minutes, yes, they can do that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Smaller balls? No, because small, but actually smaller football boots and football boots that fit women's feet because women don't have men's feet either. It's just those little things that you've got to start thinking about. But you see the kit now, which actually fits a woman so much better. I'm such a big fan of this. Oh my goodness, talking about that, producer Abby and I were on the train to St George's Park yesterday and we saw the description of the kit as being rendered in a soft red crush. Was it rendered in a red crush? Oh. which was interesting. Does that mean it's red? For, I <laughs> yeah. think it means that it's a deep red. I don't know whether you can render a football clip. I thought that kind of language was reserved for building and construction issues. Mm. But it is a lovely kit. Talking of the England women's team, let's find out what Phil Neville had to say about Emma Hayes' comments on smaller goals for smaller girls. I actually have not seen it as a problem. I've not seen it as a problem because when, when I first came in, people say, oh, the standard of goalkeeping is pretty low in the women's game. But I actually haven't seen that. I think my, I think my goalkeepers have improved so much because I actually think that the quality of coaching has improved to help them become better and the opportunities to keep them improving. I think in the past, maybe keepers have just been told to go in the goal jump up three or four times and get a bit of handling. Now now they are physical specimens, they're athletes. So actually, I think with the way that the physicality of the women's game is improving, goalkeeping standards will improve and the need for that smaller goal won't be needed. So, you know, Emma's got great experience. There'll be reasons why she said that. But uh, for me, I think that that would probably set women's football back a little bit in terms of being treated sort of like equal is what everyone wants. Phil Neville talking to the Offside Rule for our next exclusives podcast. That's out very soon. Keep checking back for that, by the way. You can also find some little snippets and previews on our Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. And uh, you can see loads more information about the World Cup online on our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. We need to indulge, ladies, because this is our final Offside Rule roundtable podcast before the World Cup begins. We're back on the 5th of June for a preview show, a couple of preview shows, actually. And And of course, we start with our nightly podcasts throughout the Women's World Cup from the 7th of June at the beginning of the tournament. 
Hello, I'm Caroline Barker and you can find me on the Totally Football League show. And this week we're talking this. It's not better than someone in the bushes, like. <laughs> no, Can't no, be. No, no. <laughs> this. No, I would argue that Derek Adams and Kevin Bond maybe um, didn't stay cool ahead of the weekend games. And this. Love going to Sheffield United. It's one of the best noises you hear outside the Premier League. Is that generic enough for you? That's the Totally Football League show with this. Available every Tuesday. Just hit subscribe and download on your preferred podcast app to listen to more of our dulcet tones. So you know when the World Cup's nearly here, when you get a delivery in the post from Panini or you can go to your local newsagent or supermarket and buy a Women's World Cup sticker book. How much in love are we with these books? Well, it it meant that we probably were about an hour late recording this. This morning. In our desperate bid to find a lioness because someone had put a oh. hex on us until Carrie Dunn walked into the Carrie studio. Carrie Dunn has got the Midas touch Carrie when it comes to done. Panini stickers. Carrie has done nearly the whole lionesses in the three packets of stickers we that opened she opened. Between, before Carrie arrived, how many, producer Abby? None. You know, she's saying 10 packets of stickers. Okay. We didn't have one lioness. Carrie walks in the door straight away. Who did you get? I got Alex Greenwood and Abby McManus in, yeah, the, first in the first pack. Did. First well, pack of stickers. Thank you, Panini, for sending us those. I believe your nephew's been enjoying them as well. Oh, Kerry. he's so excited to have his little sticker book because he, d- he does one for every tournament, like men's or women's. So he's you know, really hyped when they introduced the women's ones. He's nearly nine, but he was a little bit upset when he got it and he didn't see Beth Mead in the England squad. Yes, so, but it's okay. He can he's see. Seventeen. Yeah, he can 17. see. Is he? Is he Christiansen though? Nice uh, yeah. tribute to the injured player who's not playing in, in the World Cup. Of course, it's impossible though, isn't it, to get everyone right? But Leah Williamson also not there. And of a squad of 23, there's only 17 17. spaces. So someone at Panini's had to do an awful cull of international players. It is good fun. It's really good to do. And I was wondering, you know, who is the player that everyone wants that sticker? And I'm going to say, I think it must be Lucy Bronze. It must be her for this one. There'll be a lot of people wanting... Steph Horton yeah. as well Tony Duggan's popular yes. and Fran Kirby I think a lot of Who, young players Ian, really look Ian up to Fran, got Fran Ian, Kirby in so the office Muddy Knees boss <laughs> Ian McIntosh has got Fran Kirby if anyone wants to be gel of that one um, I've got a nice little album for my daughter Molly so we're going to tuck into that one during our holiday Carrie I know you'll be going out to this World Cup tell us a bit about your adventures are you going out for how many games? I'm going to be kind of flitting backwards and forwards. This was my plan uh, for for France. Dri- driving, training backwards training, and forwards. Yeah. yeah. We're going to Nice for the week before the first game. So have a little time to kind of settle down and actually see some of Nice where I've never been before because I thought if I just go in just for England mm. against Scotland, all I'm going to see is football fans really excited. I've heard it's nice, Nice. Uh, apparently so. Nicer in Nice, I've been told. There. So oh, maybe we can... I'll see you. Yeah. Maybe we can meet Ooh. up and talk about things. I'll make you turn left instead of turning right to the supermarket. <laughs> I'm just going to go to the pub, aren't I? <laughs> yes. Let me know how long it takes you to find a piece of fresh fruit, yeah? <laughs> and Carrie, you're going to be joining us here on the Offside All as well for our nightly Women's World Cup podcast. I am. So can I get any more plugs in there for no, that? No, Carrie, do. Yeah, yeah, it's good, amazing. Good, good. So, yes, yeah, so I come back from England, Scotland, and then I'm... Heading in here to to watch matches with you. So what would you say if you got your tickets through and you weren't sat with your nephew, for example? My goodness, I don't think I would even go. I think I would send my tickets back in disgust. Yes, so basically FIFA, apparently when people applied for your tickets, FIFA said there is no guarantee that you'll be sat together. I don't know anyone who's found this disclaimer yet. I found something very similar on my holiday on my way back with EasyJet. 
They do the same. It's a similar system. No, it was. I didn't sit next to my partner on the way there Outrage. all the way back. Outrage. So I understand what people could possibly be going through when they get there. Um and I don't really know you what are it is a grown from woman, you, though. But you can ask people to swap seats, maybe. But, it, maybe but, but it's so difficult, yeah. It's and, and, you know, FIFA have, in fairness, said that they're going to address this. But essentially, people applied for their tickets, they put all the applications in a big tombola difficult? barrel and then just started printing the tickets. More difficult. It's more difficult to do it this way, surely. You know, send people scattergun approach. Surely, if you've got party sizes, you keep people together and then you put the single ones in afterwards or you say, well, these are the only tickets left. I mean, I'm thinking that as, you know, Wembley's been a stadium for a while and Lyon and Stade, Stade de France have been a stadium for the while. They're, they're, they're probably used to allocating tickets together, right? Yeah, but I mean, they, they have said there has been such outrage about yeah. it that they are addressing the they issue. They are doing everything they? it can to address this issue. So yes, please. Well, one person who won't be sitting with her friends or even there at all is Arda Hegerberg. Uh, tell us why she's not playing. Can we Can we pin this down to something specific? No. So she's... Uh, refused to play for the national team. And this is with Norway, we should With Norway, out. sorry, yes. For equality the, reasons. For the past couple of times they've had selections, and she said, yes, equality in terms of access. I mean, initially it was, there was an equal pay issue, which they signed an agreement about, and it's now kind of more about the access to facilities, the opportunities, and the way that the professional footballers are treated, whether they're male or female. So, yes, it's, it's a very interesting case I mean, I completely respect what she's done. Mm. I think she's absolutely right to take that the same thing as well. And it takes someone of that profile, you know, just recently, this only this week, voted the BBC Footballer of the Year. Again. Again. Scoring that hat-trick as well, fresh in our minds from the Champions League final. You know, she is that person that can maybe force change through. So I, I really respect her for doing that in a way. But, you know, when you when you make the male equivalent exam, example, when Sweden didn't make it through to the finals of the World Cup and Zlatan Ibrahimovic said, it is no World Cup without Zlatan. Well, he wasn't even the best footballer in the world that year voted. So this is worse. This is a worse yes. scenario. Her not being there is worse than that. And she will be really missed. I would love to watch her in this tournament. And Norway will be much the worst team for not having her in the squad. It is a massive shame. Carrie, a couple of players that are under the radar currently. If we can't have Hegerberg, who can we adopt as one of our potential stars? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I mean... It's difficult not to look kind of beyond the USA, really, and some of some of their squad choices. It's quite um, an unconventional squad, I think, the USA. There's been lots of kind of talk about uh, how that squad has been put together. I mean, Ali Krieger has come back in after not playing for like 18 months mm. for the USA team, which means she's not in the sticker book. A lot of those famous US players aren't there. Heather O'Reilly, Hope Solo, perhaps the most famous women's goalkeeper in the world. She's not there. Abby Wambach's retired. So she's lost a lot of her old guard, Jill Ellis, the USA coach. And what will be really interesting is to see how the old guard and the new guard makes a lot of the defensive stability in that team's gone. So they could be vulnerable in that position. So I'm really interested to watch America because I want to know how it's all going to gel together. It's also going to be great news for England because they could potentially meet in the quarterfinals. If England topped the group, they could meet USA in the quarterfinals and already 
beaten them mm. in the She Believes Cup, you know, that it's a better time than any to play USA, I think. So Ali Krieger's back. Yeah, obviously Mallory Pugh is the big American young starlet. So I think this is going to be kind of her coming of age tournament. So I think she's probably definitely one to, uh, to watch out for. Mm. I'm also excited to see Khadija Bunny Shaw, huge personality in the game, plays for Jamaica. And she's special because she's suffered a huge amount of tragedy in her life. She's lost four brothers, three to gang violence, Whoa. yet her spirit and her personality cannot be broken. She actually studies over in the USA and plays over there, but will be really exciting to watch for Jamaica. Also, I'm going to chip in with a lioness, who I think going into this tournament is going to be not to those that know her, but to the rest of the world under the radar. And that's going to be Beth Mead. And I think this is going to be the making of her, this tournament. I think she's going to score goals. And, you know, the last the last time that we were out in Canada, everybody came back with the bronze on the back of the T-shirt for that goal. I think she's going to score something special in one of the matches. And that's going to be the new name on the back of shirt. And my nephew will be running around the garden with his Mead 22 yeah. shirt, which he's already Excellent. got. So there you go. <laughs> Claudia Winkleman's asking us to shave three lines in our hair for she's the asking line. us well she's asking That's everyone care of care of head and shoulders she's asking us to shave three lines in our hair i'm saying no, no. claudia no 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 i mean I, I can see some parents having an absolute mare with this message you can't just save shave three i mean you'll you'll have girls and boys want you know girls with only half the hair left on their head no thanks claudia we won't be doing that but we will be supporting them with our shirts on and our heads held high and lots of celebrating i'm sure any other business uh, this is where Carrie comes in with her fine operatics. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Carrie, yes. Yeah. So I haven't warmed up. You can't make me sing now. We've, well, we've been talking for two hours. That's okay. warm up enough. Whilst Carrie warms up, if you hear a mum, 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 we are looking for a theme tune to our final <laughs> section, which is Any Other Business. It happens in every podcast. And when we are back for the new season with our regular roundtable after the World Cup, we, we'll be looking for submissions for the Any Other Business if theme you've tune. Got a creative musical bone in your body mm. and would like to donate it to the offside rule <laughs> we're looking for something wacky something out there something us yes please Carrie have okay. you warmed up I've warmed up let's okay. go okay stand yourself slightly away from the microphone okay girls it's time for any other business any other business I really like that one <laughs> Very good. Uh, I'll start us off. Go on. Because I just want to, for anyone who thought, who are these old farts talking in old foots and feet and inches? Um, just so that you know, a foot is 30.48 centimetres. Oh, thank, thank you, Lindsay. From when I was talking about height. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Carrie, please come back with something better than that. Okay. I'm a, a bit staggered by that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about... Um, do you want to talk about Pep? I do want to talk about Pep. This, again, there's a story leading into this. So last week, I saw a tweet from a certain uh, TV presenter who helmed the BBC's FA Cup final coverage. Gary Lineker. Oh, yeah, that's him. <laughs> saying that Manchester City were going for the first ever domestic treble in the history of football in this country. Hmm. Me, being interested in facts... Just retweeted it with a quote tweet. Just said, in men's football. 
people weren't happy about that. And when I say people, I mean Gary Lineker <laughs> and a lot of his followers. I basically spent last week having my Twitter mentions flooded with people who objected to me pointing out that it was the first domestic trouble in the history of men's football. Because, because Arsenal have done it more than once, yes. theoretically. Mm. It gets oh, a bit complex. Pep really helped you out then. Pep really helped me out. So <laughs> Pep was asked in a press conference about domestic trouble, the first one in football, and he said Men- men's football, the women have already done it. Now, whether Man City women have done it is a technicality. Yeah. Yes. Because of all the awkward seasons and the way the but you know well overlapped. done him but for absolutely. having that knowledge because he might have meant Arsenal as well. He exactly he didn't specify Man City women. So thank you, Pep. We really appreciate your support Excellent. on the front lines of feminism. Um, Pep really is somebody else's guy, but we'd like him to be our guy because he's been seen on Twitter this week dancing. <laughs> To somebody else's guy in a rather fine party? fashion. Uh, was it was at some celebration. He was with. Was it an end of season celebration? Don't know about that. But he was on stage with a gospel choir. He started off a bit awkward with the movements, and then he no, got. No, I don't think there was any awkwardness at well, all. That's I think what he's a natural. Abby said, but he was a bit wondering. No, what, what, okay, you are very, enough. very harsh on people no, when you're he, judging them like that because but it, what he I'm had natural is, rhythm. <laughs> what I'm saying is, he started off a bit awkward, but the, but by the end of it, he was giving it some with those gospel singers. And it wasn't just somebody else's guy. I've also found footage of him singing like a prayer, Madonna's like a prayer, with the very same choir, with some hand movements. Maybe Pep could record your jingle for you for any other business. <gasps> that's oh my a great gosh, that idea. So good. We need that gospel choir. Whoever you are, gospel choir, come on in and sing us an any other business theme tune, please. Carrie, Pride of the Lionesses, your new book. This follows Roar of the Lionesses. Mm-hmm. Can everyone see a theme here? Yes. yes. Yeah. New what book out soon. one be? Oh, God. Don't even talk about okay. the third Victory one. Victory of the Lionesses. One, Victory yeah. of the Lionesses. Yes. That would be awesome, yeah. wouldn't it? So tell us about the book. So it comes out in October. So Roar of the Lionesses followed the season after the 2015 Women's World Cup and various levels of women's football. So not just WSL, but kind of down to grassroots and different teams and how they progressed and how the World Cup impacted on them. Pride of the Lionesses is following the season leading up to the Women's World Cup. So how preparations are affecting different levels of women's football, WSL, down to grassroots. And it's been really cool because three of the teams I've followed so far this season, so Arsenal... Barnsley and Leighton Orient have all won trophies. Oh, so Lionesses... Is that stick and Midas touch again? <laughs> Jeez, you need to get yourself... Can surprised. I just hang around with Carrie Dunn? Literally, like, Carrie, just... forget about doing the podcast with us <laughs> over the next month. Get yourself to France and just stay there. Stalk yeah. the team if you have to. Just rub yourself up against Lucy Bronze and all the rest of the players. <laughs> well, I magic. don't know whether I'd go that far, but, you know... she's she Whatever she you have to do. Midas touch. She certainly does. <laughs> uh, we're looking forward to reading it. What a great thing to be a part of. I must ask you quickly, doctor of what? Dr Carrie Dunn? Doctor of sociology, but my research was into football fans, so you know, basically what I've been talking about with you for That's the past the hour. thoroughly educated woman. We're honoured to have been joined by you today, Very honoured. And was then I. there's Lindsay Hooper I know. as well. And I was thinking of leaving the podcast by saying, by the way, if anyone sees me hobble out the door, it's 
two big mosquito bites on the bottom of my foot and I can't walk properly or play football for a while. So Carrie's bringing a World Cup piece of academic this literature this is to this podcast and you're bringing me week. mosquito oh, bites. Dear. All right, let's round it up. Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe via your favourite podcasting app and also check out our website for build-up to the Women's World Cup, offsiderulepodcast.com. We're back next week with that exclusive interview with England Women Manager Phil Neville. See you then. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Podcast Network.